This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, as we begin a new series. This series is uh, called ID Check. You know, when you have uh, to go into a certain building, you have to show your ID. When you go through security at the uh, airport, you have to show your ID. But you know, when you get older, sometimes uh, you have some problems remembering things. And when my father-in-law was older, uh, I said to him, uh, what's your favorite book of the Bible? And he couldn't remember. He said, the index. And you know what? I love that answer, but it was only topped by this one. Um, I said, when you get to heaven and you see your wife, Doris, who went before you, what do you think are the first words she's going to say to you? And he said, she's going to say, you came up here dressed like that? I don't know, I thought they gave robes. Nevertheless, my father-in-law, Robert Hall, had a great sense of humor. But he always knew who he was, and what really helped him to remember who he was, was back then there was a uh, manufacturer of suits called Robert Hall. So whenever he uh, met someone, he says, my name is, and he held out his suit jacket, Robert Hall. He knew his identity. Well, here's where it comes to bear for you and me as Christians. If we go through times of trouble, if we go through times of confusion, if we go through times of temptation, we should never forget who we are in Christ. When you remember who you are in Christ, it changes everything. The world wants to curse you and condemn you and put you down and persecute you and silence you and intimidate you, but you never forget who you are in Christ. Who are you in Christ? According to Ephesians 1, 1 to 14, you are blessed to be a blessing. Can we all say that together? I am blessed to be a blessing. Do you believe that? That God has blessed you beyond belief. He's blessed your socks off, as one of my friends used to say. And I love that. Let's read Ephesians 1, 1 to 14, and realize that verses 3 to 14 in the original Greek is a run-on sentence. That is, Paul got so excited when he says, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ, he kept on going without taking a breath. 
He was so excited about all the spiritual blessings we have in Christ. Let's read this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So we're going to look at that uh, and see the sevenfold blessing of God. How have you been blessed in Christ? We're going to see specifically how you have been blessed in Christ from Ephesians 1 and specifically verses 3 through 14. Seven blessings. First of all, I have been chosen in Christ to be holy and blameless. Second, I have been adopted in Christ as God's child. Third, I have been accepted in Christ to freely receive God's grace. Fourth, I've been redeemed and forgiven in Christ of all my sins. Fifth, I have been informed in Christ about God's ultimate plan. Sixth, I have been sealed with the Holy Spirit in Christ as a guarantee. And seventh, I have been given and have been made an inheritance in Christ, which is glorious. Now let's unpack this and see just how blessed we are and why we are blessed. There's a purpose. We're blessed to be a blessing and to leave a blessing. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. So, first of all, I have been chosen in Christ to be holy and blameless. I want you to look at this because it tells us something that is absolutely shocking and profound and humbling and amazing all at once. When did God the Father choose you? And the answer is before he even created the earth. Are you not humbled right now 
Are you not shaking your head at least inwardly and saying, I have never read that before. That is absolutely profound. That before the earth was made, before my parents met, before I came into being, God knew me. God loved me. God chose me. God had a purpose for my life. The eternal God who sees all and is omniscient, he knows all, knew me before he even made the earth. Okay, now if you have any issue with self-esteem, low self-esteem, and you're wondering, do you matter to God? The answer is yes. Absolutely yes. He chose you. Remember when they picked teams as children? And the weak ones and the ones who were clumsy were always standing there just looking at their shoes, hoping that someone would pick them. They always picked the fast guys, the strong ones, the coordinated athletes. And then you're just kind of there next to somebody who's also a reject. Well, let me tell you something. In Christ, you're not a reject. You have been chosen you are valuable. You are um, especially um, selected by the Lord and for purpose, to be holy and blameless in his sight. So before he made the world, he said, I'm choosing this person, you, and the purpose is for you to be like him in holiness. God is holy. And he is light, and in him is no darkness at all, it tells us in 1 John. And God wants children of light. He wants us to be holy and blameless in his sight. Now, there's no way you and I can be holy and blameless in a holy God's sight, except that his son Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood so that we could be forgiven and receive the righteousness of Christ himself. That's the only way that we can be holy. And then just because we're positionally made holy before the sight of God doesn't mean practically we are holy in our living, in our lifestyle. We need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in growing in holiness, and God is sanctifying us by his Holy Spirit. And he who began a good work in us is faithful to complete it, and wherever you leave off when you die, God makes up the difference. And when you see Jesus, you shall be like him because God is going to finish what he began. So he has chosen you for the purpose of being conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. That's got to do something for you when people say, I just got to search my belly button and figure out who am I? What's life all about? What am I supposed to be doing? You've been chosen. You have a purpose to grow in holiness and in blamelessness, to grow in Christlikeness. Second, uh, and this is mentioned again in verses 11 and 12, in him, that is in Christ, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. Why do you exist? You exist to grow in holiness and blamelessness in Christ-likeness to the glory of God. Why do you exist? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's why 
you exist. By the way, if you could see my detailed study of this passage, I've got all these different colors, I've got circles, I've got words with numbers on them, and I just want you to know before God that I am blessed to study his word and to say to you, we serve an awesome God. And I'm going to do something right now, departing from my message for a moment, just to give you a picture of how great God is. God is so great that if you were to dissect this passage in its depth, you would see that he is a God of intentionality. Intentionality is that he has a plan. He has a will. He has a purpose. He has a choice. He has a pleasure, a preference, a desire, a direction, and everything is working in accordance with that. He's working out everything in conformity with that in order that it would be put into effect when all the fullness of time comes together. Aren't you glad God has a plan? Aren't you glad that God is intentional and he has a direction for which everything is headed? But you have people in life who are very task-oriented. How many are task-oriented that you love to check off your to-do list and you get things done? But maybe you're not very people-oriented. God's people-oriented too because it says that he does this in love and he does this with all wisdom and understanding and he does this according to his good pleasure. He looks at what he's doing in your life and he says, that's good. That's really good. Do you see the greatness of God? That he's all wise with a plan and he's all loving with us who are part of that plan. That's our God. But it doesn't stop there. When I dug into this passage, I also saw how generous God is because grace and peace are from him. Um, he's given us, blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He didn't withhold any blessings from us. And we are blessed out of the riches of his grace, which he freely gives to us. He lavishes his love upon us and he seals us and puts a deposit guaranteeing that we will be stepping into his presence one day. That's a generous God. So we have an intentional God, a loving God, a generous God. But you know what? We also have a God that, and this is most important, a God who we can put our hope in. It says in verse 12, we put our hope in Christ. The source of hope is God. So let me summarize this in terms of your response by using a simple illustration, the letters E-G-O. Ego can stand for one of two things. E-G-O can stand for enjoying God's order. You can put your hope in Christ 
be aligned with God's master plan, experience God's love and his generosity, and you would be enjoying God's order, ego. But EGO can also stand for edging God out. You can fight God, resist God, rebel against God, and go against the grain of God's master plan, and you wonder why you're miserable, frustrated, and searching for love in all the wrong places. It's because you're edging God out instead of enjoying God's order. Back to the sermon. Second, I have been adopted in Christ as God's child. Ephesians 1, 4b and 5. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. You know that in the Roman society and uh, in Paul's day, when you are a son, that's the highest level in society you can be at because a son of legal age inherits everything of the estate. So when you receive Christ, you are not just adopted into God's forever family as a king's kid, but as a king's kid, you are official so that you have full access to anything God has for you. Every blessing he has for you is signed in the name of Jesus Christ. You have a blank check with Jesus Christ's name on it because you've been adopted to sonship. You've been adopted to full access. All the rights and privileges of a, an heir of God are yours because you've been adopted. How many remember little orphan Annie? Okay, can you imagine being an orphan, first of all? Some of you may have been raised in foster homes and you were adopted and you're very thankful for your adoptive parents. Well, think about Daddy Warbucks. He adopted little orphan Annie. And everything that Daddy Warbucks had would be little orphan Annie's. And so we're like little orphan Lou's and others and we've been adopted by God and everything Big Daddy has... He blesses us with. We are rich beyond belief in Christ. We used to be in the sphere of Adam. We were born of Adam, and that means that we were born in sin, we uh, practiced sin, and we uh, behaved sinfully. But when we received Christ, we were moved from the sphere of Adam, where all die, to the sphere of Christ. So we're in Christ now. That's the new realm. We're under new management. We're not under Adam. We're under Christ. My boss is a Jewish carpenter. I'm under new management. Christ is Lord. I'm in Christ. I've been joined to Christ, and I have inherited all that is his, is mine. Third is I have been accepted in Christ to freely receive God's grace. Ephesians 1, 6 to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. So I want you to notice something, that back in verse 4, it says, in love he predestined us. God loves you. Notice that. Now notice this. He has given us his glorious grace 
in the one he loves. So God the Father loves Jesus the Son, right? But he loves you. You are worth Jesus to God. If you were the only person, Jesus would have died on the cross for your sins. God has love for you equal to the love he has for his son. If that doesn't blow you away, I don't know what will. This is profound, that God has an everlasting love for us. And he has accepted us 100%. Next, let me go. I have been redeemed and forgiven in Christ of all my sins. Verses 7 and 8 of chapter 1. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. So thanks to Christ dying on the cross, paying the penalty for our sin in our place, and his blood being shed, we have forgiveness of sin. For there's no remission of sin except that there be the shedding of blood. And Jesus was the perfect Lamb of God without sin or blemish, completely fulfilling the law, and he gave his life so that we could be forgiven. Your sins are are, uh, buried in the deepest sea, and there's a sign that says, no fishing allowed. Your sins are separated from you as far as east is from west. Your sins are forgiven. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8.1. Number five, I have been informed in Christ about God's ultimate plan. Now this is very interesting because it's great to be chosen, it's great to be adopted, it's great to be accepted, and it's great to be redeemed and forgiven. But boy, what's this one? I have been informed in Christ about God's ultimate plan. Jesus said, you tell your friends what you know. I'm telling you what I know. In other words, I'm treating you like a friend. So guess what? When you receive Christ, you're included in God's family, and the Father discloses to you the family plan. Aren't you included? Aren't you belonging? Isn't this great to know he has clued you in? He's given you a heads up what's going on, what he's about. So here it says in verses 8 to 10, with all wisdom and understanding, he, God the Father, made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So that's God's plan, that he's bringing Jews and Gentiles who were, you know, fighting with each other, and there was a wall of hostility between them, and Jesus is our peace, and he's uniting the two to become one, and he's uniting all things to him. And I was speaking at Sycamore Glen about the millennial kingdom of Christ. And I said, when Christ is on the throne, when the new Jerusalem comes down from heaven to earth, and God is our God, and we are his people, and Jesus is sitting on the throne, there's going to be peace. So great of a peace that animals that would eat each other or be hostile to one another will sit peacefully. The lion with the lamb. The child shall reach into a viper's pit and not be bitten by the viper. 
there's going to be that kind of incredible peace. It's going to be a kingdom of righteousness where Jesus is the king of kings. And we look forward to the kingdom of our Lord. When we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Did you know we're praying for his kingdom to come in all of its fullness? We're praying for his kingdom to be realized when people from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, including the country that Summer Root goes to, will be represented at the throne and we will sing, worthy is the lamb who was slain. We'll be praising the Lord for Jesus and his sacrifice on our behalf who bought us for himself. He purchased us with his precious blood. The point here is that God's made his plan clear. I want unity. When Jesus prayed in John 17, he said, Lord, may they be one as you and I are one. Juan Carlos Ortiz said, are potatoes one when they're laying under the ground unpicked yet, undug up? No. Are they one when they're dug up from the ground and they're put in the same sack? No. Are they one when, they're, when you peel the skin off of them and they're in the same bowl? No. Are they one when you mash them? Yes. That's when they're one. So God is looking forward to having us be one with each other. We're not going to have the fellowship of the marbles that bounce off of each other and scratch each other. We're going to have the fellowship of the smashed grapes that uh, the juices will flow and we will be one in Christ. Not that we will lose our individuality, but we're going to be united in Christ. That's the plan. That's where we're headed. And that's why we want to go to the highways and byways and invite them, bid them to come to the banquet the banquet table of the Lamb. We want them to be at the kingdom with us. So we need to seek and save the lost because this is the master plan of the master planner. And Paul writes to the Christians in Ephesus, you also have all these blessings I talked about. And you also were included in Christ when? The moment you heard the message of truth the gospel of your salvation, and you believed. When you heard the gospel and you believed, the Holy Spirit came into your life and sealed you for salvation. And you are marked in Him with this seal. He's the promised Holy Spirit and He's the deposit, the guarantee that you are saved and you'll come before the presence of God the Father. Are you saved by your efforts and by your works? No. Are you saved by God's grace and the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross alone? Yes. And the Holy Spirit is given to you and never will be taken away from you. He is the guarantee, the down payment. This is a done deal. It's going to happen. There was a commercial about suits. And uh, the owner of this company says in a gravelly voice, I guarantee it. He would say, I guarantee it. 
And if he says it and uh, people believe it, think about God. And he says, I've given you my Holy Spirit. I guarantee your salvation. You can count on it. In Romans chapter 8, it says, you know, you have been uh, justified and you're sanctified and you will be glorified. But when it says you'll be glorified, it says it in the, pa- in the present te- past tense. You have been glorified. It just counts it as a done deal. It's as good as done. So some of you are worried, you're anxious, you wonder, what's going to happen when I die? What's going to happen when I appear before God? Do I even have a chance? Oh, what kind of thinking is that? You've been marked with the Holy Spirit. The apostles has been put down on you to get you to heaven. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you into his presence with exceeding joy, be glory and honor forever and ever. That's our God. That's Jude 24, 25. So he who called you is faithful and he will sanctify you body, soul, and spirit through and through. This is the work of God so it goes to the glory of God alone. But he wants us to realize how blessed we are. And the last blessing of the sevenfold blessing of God is I have been given and have been made an inheritance in Christ, which is glorious. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.